0: Good morning to you, you. Good morning, good morning. Won't you share with a friend or two? Good morning, good morning to you, you. Good morning, good morning to you and many more. Good morning, good morning, good morning, and welcome, welcome, welcome to Daring Dialogues. I am your host, Shantae Charles. I hope that you've been having a great and wonderful day. If you are with me for the first time, this is Wednesday also known as Relationship Wednesday over here at the Daring Dialogues Podcast. And can you believe that we are on episode 92, which means that we are closing in to the close of season 12. Yes, we have been doing this for 12 seasons. Um, And our broadcasts are spaced out everywhere because all of these platforms at some point in time have had some sort of issue. So some of our uh, episodes are on Daring Dialogues, our Facebook page. Some of the majority of our seasons are on YouTube under um, the YouTube page Church Love 333. Um, And you can find our previous playlist of our seasons there. Um, I think like seasons maybe one through six or one through seven are all archived over there. So if you want to go back and look at seasons of to see what books we've read, what talks we've had, they're um, cataloged over there. And then, of course, we have been podcasting, I would say, probably for the last two years. And so we do have our broadcast archived as well through podcasts. Um, and our podcast name, of course, is Daring Dialogues. We have not changed the name of what we do, and we've been doing it since 2016. All right. So as I said, we are coming to the close of this season. We are going to be taking a station break from doing um, regular broadcast once we hit um, episode 100. However, for the month of October, I'm going to be doing a lecture series on Tuesdays on Black Table Talks Facebook page. So if you are interested in learning about um, spirituality, if you're interested in learning about hoodoo, I'm going to be doing a special teaching series just on Black Table Talks page for the month of October. And we'll do it on Tuesdays at the same time, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we're going to dive into hoodoo. What is it? Where did it come from? Um, What are the implications of it today? Where do we see it still in our culture today? Um, So we're going to dive into it. And I think it's going to be very empowering and enlightening for a lot of people. Today, we're looking at, first of all, our black pearl for the day. Then we're going to read from Set Boundaries, Find Peace, A Guide to Reclaiming Yourself, dealing with the relationship you have with yourself, and then we're going to top it off with Drama Free, a guide to managing unhealthy family relationships. All right, so let's start out with our black pearl for today. It is September 27th, and for once I know what day it is. (laughs) It is September 27th. So let's see what September 27th holds for us. The topic of the reading is heritage, which we actually were talking about that yesterday on Black Tabletop. Jabo. This is a proverb coming out of Liberia, which actually holds a special place in my heart. Um, I support the work of an orphanage there um, that was established by... The Liberians, it's called Rainbow Town, um, and they do important work in terms of um, working with all of the all of the children that were orphaned during the Liberian war. Many of them have um, grown up and they've become adults now. But now they're going to school, and some I think one of them has finally has gotten married, and um, so now they're. Matriculating into young adulthood at this point, Um, but the founder is still taking in orphan children. So if you'd like to support that work, it's at rainbowtown.org. But the proverb says, The fruit must have a stem before it grows. The fruit must have a stem before it grows. We all have stems, we all have roots. Our parents our grandparents, our ancestors. While it may be exceedingly difficult to trace our family tree back very far, obscured as it may be by the torturous divisions of families in enslavement, let alone pinpoint our beginnings in Africa, we can learn of the greatness of our people. If we study our complete history, we see that we have been an industrious and ingenious people in very trying circumstances. We learn by example the importance of fighting, of perseverance, and of not losing hope. Let us also look to those who have raised us and note the good that we can emulate. What we learn about ourselves we must then pass on in order to help our own fruit grow. On this day, take a few minutes to think about someone who helped you or who has taken an interest in you and thank him or her. Now, for me, it is my aunt, it is my um, great aunts, who have taken an interest in me, who have been, I've been visiting them, driving to go see them. Um, One is about an hour away from me, the other one is about six hours away from me. And so I've been trying to increase my time to go and see them and hear them and listen to them. And have them to impart my family history to me. Yes, I could call. That's great. But I also like to travel and go put eyes on them and see how they're doing physically. Um, And so I'm hoping to do another trip probably in November once I take a break from podcasting. Um, But yeah, and then I have an aunt that used to be closer, but now she is in the state of Texas. But those are, I, would, I can definitely say, I have generations of women who have taken an interest in me and poured into me. Um, and even though I don't have the best of relationships with, relationship with my mother, I have lots of women who have taken on that mother figure and that mother role in my life. So I don't really feel at a deficit um, like I know a lot of people tend to do. And I'm very very thankful for that, so those are the women those are the uh women that I definitely will thank. I have uncles that I still you know I talk to, I communicate with, they ask how I'm doing. <laughs> one of them uh was like, "Do I need to come to you? Do I need to come to your neighborhood and meet all your neighbors?" <laughs> I was like, "Uncle, you don't have to do that just yet. you don't have to do that just yet, but I appreciate it, I appreciate it." Um, so I do have, and I do come from a, a village of people who love me, who care about me, who support that I feel, um, and whose support. I don't really, I don't question where I stand with them as my family. And I know that that is a blessing because everybody doesn't have that. Um, on the other hand, I have felt some, I have felt some, times where I have felt alone, even though I know that I'm a part of a village. So I cannot imagine somebody who just doesn't have any of that. They don't have the aunt, they don't have the uncle. Maybe their parents are um, deceased and they feel very alone in the world. There are plenty of people like that out here. And so what I would encourage you to do is um, what many people are doing now and they're creating what is being called their chosen family. They're creating a village. They're creating a network of people um, that they that they feel connected to. Um, we've done that here at Daring Dialogues. We have a, a group of us that are connected through our Patreon. We, um, we are the We Dare Squad. So if you ever feel like, hey, I want to be a part of something that goes beyond this platform, I want to be a part of a group of people who is encouraging each other, who's uplifting each other, who cares about one another, who cares about what's happening in the life of each other. Um, Feel free to join us, patreon.com forward slash daring dialogues. We do hold um, quarterly get togethers where we just check in and see how each person is doing and seeing how we can lift them up How we can offer support in whatever way that we can. Um, And that's what community is about. That's really what community is about. So if you want to join that community, you can find out more at patreon.com forward slash daring dialogues. Any level of support will add you to the We Dare squad. um, And we will go from there. We'll communicate with you, talk with you personally, and uh, get you plugged in to a community. Let's look at set boundaries and find peace, actually reclaiming yourself. We started talking about the common ways that people respond to you when you are establishing your boundaries and when you are sharing your boundaries. And we talked about pushback and how to handle pushback. Now today we're gonna talk about limit testing and ignoring. And rationalizing and questioning will stop there. So let's look at limit testing. This is a common way that people respond to you sharing your boundaries. Limit testing. And good morning to each of you coming in. Kids do this a lot. It's part of forming independence when they are little. But adults do it too. They heard you, but they want to see how much you're willing to bend. Let's say Kim tells her friend, I can't help you move. Kim's friend then says, well, what about next week? Her friend is trying to see if Kim has any flexibility. If Kim says, okay, next week, she is sending a clear message to her friend that the boundary is flexible. Limit testing sounds like, I don't have to listen to you. I'll check with you again to see if you can help. So how do you handle people who test your limits? Be clear about the behavior that you notice. Name the behavior. For example, you are testing my limits. Express how testing your boundaries makes you feel. When you don't respect my boundaries, I feel X, Y, and Z. Then restate it. Explaining your boundary leaves room for people to object to your needs. In our attempts to make others feel comfortable, we might be persuaded out of setting healthy limits for ourselves. Do your best to name your boundary without offering an explanation so that you aren't talked out of it. Ignoring. People ignore boundaries as a passive-aggressive way of pretending they didn't hear them. But boundaries should be respected. When people ignore our requests, resentment builds. Over time, this erodes respect in the relationship. If Kim says, I won't be able to help you move, and two days later, Kim's friend says, when can you come to help me move this weekend, Kim has a few options. She can either restate her boundary, go with the flow by helping her friend, or not show up to assist with moving. Assertively, Kim could state, I mentioned two days ago, that I wouldn't be able to help you move. If she's too scared to restate her boundary, she'll likely end up helping her friend move and her friend will likely ignore the next one that Kim tries to set. Ignoring boundaries looks like doing what they want despite your boundary, acting as if your boundary was misunderstood. So how do you handle people that ignore your boundaries? Number one, you restate your boundary. Request that the other person repeat back what it is that you stated so you can make sure they understood and heard you. Stress the importance of the change moving forward. For example, I need this in future situations as well. React to ignoring immediately after you notice the issue. If not, the boundary that you set will disappear because they're ignoring it and they're expecting you to... Break your boundary. Rationalizing and questioning. Since you accepted behaviors in the past that you now deem inappropriate, people will react by asking questions as a way to rationalize their behavior as unproblematic. Here's an example. A behavior that I participated in in the past was profanity and cussing, and extreme profanity and cussing. That was something that I participated in the past very readily and happily and thoroughly. At this point in my life, and really for the past two, almost three decades now, I do not curse. I do not personally use profanity. I try to find content that doesn't have a lot of profanity in it. Now, there are times when I have shared content that has some profanity in it. I usually give a content warning so people know that it has profanity in it. But I myself do not use profanity. So one of my boundaries is if you're coming into my space or I invite you on and you're doing an interview, one of the things that I explicitly state is that, This is a profanity free platform. We do not use profanity on my platform when I'm, you know, when we're speaking. Please be mindful of that when you come on to interview. You know, I don't want to restrict you a whole lot, but I would appreciate if you either don't use any profanity at all or you keep it to a minimum, right? So that would be my boundary that somebody in the past who's known me might say, Well, used to curse all the time. Okay, that was used to. See those two words? Used to. I don't anymore. And I haven't for a few decades now. (laughs) And um, so being able to establish and be very clear about what your boundary is, is important, right? Now, she says, Sometimes people will react by asking questions as a way to rationalize their behavior as unproblematic. I don't mind people asking me questions about why I don't anymore. I'm just going to ask, are you ready to listen to my uh, 30 to 45 minute speech about why I don't use profanity anymore? If you're not ready to do that, then just respect my boundary. And Even if I tell you my story, I still need you to respect my boundary. Here's her scenario. In this scenario, Kim's friend responds with probing questions. Why can't you help me move? I would help you move. Questions like these are hard to answer. It's tempting to start off offering excuses or apologies, but it isn't helpful to say you're sorry about setting a boundary. Remember that people benefit from you not having limits. You have to look out for yourself. No excuses required. People may question your shift when you've done things that you are no longer willing to do. It's okay to let them know that you changed your mind or that the arrangement no longer works for you. Rationalizing or questioning sounds like. Why are you asking me to change? What's the point of doing things differently now? How do you handle rationalizing or questioning? Be careful not to explain yourself. Keep your response short by saying something like, this is what's healthy for me. Saying too much will put you in a back and forth negotiation. So yeah, I tend to tell people, listen, the way that I treat myself sacred now has has a lot to do with what I'm putting out. And it also has a lot to do with my speech. I believe that certain words um, for me don't help me to be as sacred as I need to be in the role that I live in life. My motto is treat you sacred. And when I say treat you sacred, I'm talking about me first. So the way that I treat myself sacred is I watch what I put in my body. I watch my thought process and I watch my speech. Those are three things for me that have to do with the sacredness of how I want to treat myself. So if I feel like, listen, the words that come out of my mouth have to be pure, and a part of my purity is staying away from words that aren't pure, (laughs) and you can't understand that, then, you know, we probably are not going to agree and I would leave you to go your separate way and I will go mine. But as she said, sometimes even when you give an explanation, people still want to argue with you. They want to negotiate. They want to go back and forth. And sometimes you have to just say certain things about my life are non negotiable. Like if you're in my personal space, especially if you're in my home we don't do profanity here. So if I invite you over, just understand we don't do profanity in my house. (laughs) Now you can go outside and have all the kind of cuss fest you wanna have, but we don't do it in my space. Why? Because that is the boundary that I set in my space. Now in your space, you might not have that boundary and there might be all kinds of people around you saying all kinds of stuff. And if I'm in your space, then I have to accept the fact that because I came in your space, this is what's going on in your space. So I have to respect your boundary too. But you definitely got to respect mine, right? So those are three things. Rationalizing people who will rationalize and question and go back and forth, people who will ignore your boundary, and people who will test your limits. And as she said, children, if you have children, oh, they're going to test your boundaries. <laughs> you might as well, you just might as well get ready for it. If you're a parent, I don't, I know nobody didn't explain it to you, but you sound you signed up for testing of boundaries. All right. Moving back on to Drama-Free, A Guide to Managing Unhealthy Family Relationships. We're looking at reasons we don't talk about family problems. We're still talking about, in this book, what dysfunction looks like. And reasons we don't talk about family problems, family issues. The first one we looked at was thinking that family issues are a reflection of who we are. The second was feeling embarrassment and shame. And three, trying to ignore the issues. Ignoring major family issues postpones the healing of unhealthy patterns. Here's another one. Reasons why people don't talk about family problems. Believing that no one will understand. Celebrities, teachers, friends, coworkers, and many others might have gone through similar issues with their families Assuming you're alone isn't the best way to find people who can relate to you. Vulnerability builds community. You attract people who are like you by being authentic and open. Sometimes you find your people after you are transparent about your story. Here's another one. Fearing judgment. Fearing judgment. Some people won't understand your story and you won't always understand the stories of others. Practice feeling okay with the fact that some people won't get you. Accepting this will make your life much easier. It makes sense to be concerned about what others think, but caring too much can undermine your ability to create positive change for yourself. Watching the trauma unfolds is another reason we don't talk about family problems. Married with Children was one of my favorite TV sitcoms. In it, Al Bundy, the main character, is a disgruntled shoe salesman whose best years were in high school. He's married to Peg, and they have two kids named Bud and Kelly. The kids watch as their parents criticize each other, and they are often left at home without food to eat. I recall one episode where the kids are hungry and searching the kitchen for food. They find an old piece of chocolate behind the refrigerator and rejoice. The show is a comedy, and I found many of the dynamics hilarious. But in hindsight, I realized the show highlights aspects of parental neglect, verbal abuse, and unhealthy parental relationships that I could not yet conceptualize. When we don't understand what we see, we tend to stay in unhealthy situations. It can feel normal and inevitable that the people around us seem to suffer the same fate. To better understand your experience, is vital to develop a different viewpoint. What happens when it takes years to wake up? As long as you are breathing, it isn't too late to change your perspective and your behaviors. It's commonly believed that the older we become, the more challenging it might be to change. They say you can't teach an old dog new tricks, but this is not true. When you're willing to incorporate further information, you can change. Let's revise the saying to... You can't teach an unwilling dog new tricks. In reading, you've demonstrated that you're willing to seek out and incorporate new information in your life. Sometimes the problems are blatantly obvious, but because of the indoctrination of family value and belief, it can take a while before you start to realize the nature of the dysfunction in your family. Like Carmen, however, you can begin to observe others and notice the differences in your home. The writer says, my own after-school routine included watching the Oprah Winfrey show. As I've watched old episodes, I realize now that I wasn't ready for the topics, but I certainly needed to hear them. The Oprah show covered abuse, neglect, giveaways, celebrity interviews, and almost every other imaginable subject. Her show gave me the terminology to name things in my life and the lives of others. If you listen closely enough, Many of the things you watch and read contain something about your experiences in life. Media is one way we learn to connect what we see with our own situations, but it's never too late to start rewiring your brain. You're always learning new things and choosing to incorporate new ideas is a choice you can make. Throughout this book, I'm going to teach how to change yourself in order to change your life and relationships. You are a huge part of all your relationships. Therefore, your perspective, behaviors, and expectations can often change how the relationship functions, even if the other person doesn't change. You'll hear me repeat one concept, you cannot change people. If I could have one superpower, it would be that, but none of us possess the power to change others. Nevertheless, it's the number one go-to solution when we have problems in relationships. After you read this book, I want you to walk away with the realization that changing you is enough. And this is one of the things that I teach um, in coaching. I have a series of teachings called Soul Freedom. And a part of that is recognizing what you can change about yourself to bring about transformation in your life. And one of the things that people have said to me about the program is in changing myself. I was able to see how other people's cha- other people's behavior towards me changed because I was changing me. So the things that I wanted them to change and shift in regards to me didn't shift until I started changing. And a lot of times we're waiting for the people to change when what needs to change is us. All right. So I want you to think about that. What ways, in what ways are, am I changing? In what ways am I taking responsibility for my own behavior, my own actions? One of the things I want to go back to really quickly that she said here is media is one way we learn to connect what we see with our own situations. Um I remember when the film. The Color Purple came out. And I only. I've only watched that film. One time in my life. Because it was so. Traumatizing. <laughs> now I know there are people. Who love The Color Purple. I know people who have seen it repeatedly. Um, there are still lines. In The Color Purple that I remember. And I only saw it one time. But I saw it when as a young person. And. That film was very impactful for me because it helped me to identify, um, sexual abuse that was happening around me. It helped me to identify that the relationships that I saw happening around me that dealt with child sexual abuse were not right. It was in looking at that film that I was able to connect and recognize that what was happening around me was not normal. And it was that film that helped me to have courage to speak and not be silent about what I saw happening that was actually abuse. But I would not have recognized that it was actually abuse without that film. So when people ask me, what's the significance of the color purple for me? it was a way for me to be able to see what was happening in my own environment and recognize that it was wrong. And in that, I was able to help a family member get free from child sexual abuse. And I myself at the time was a child. So media has a power to it that if used appropriately can actually bring some freedom, and if used inappropriately, can actually bring forth bondage. Last section I wanna look at today, starting from scratch. There's a scene in the movie, The Little Mermaid, where Ariel uses a fork as a comb. She's never seen a comb before, so she has no frame of reference for it. When your reference point is dysfunctional, Changing to a healthier pattern will often involve starting from scratch. I've seen parents become shocked by how hard it is to break dysfunctional cycles with their own children. In this case, parents have options. They can get upset with their children for being unreasonable or needy. They can get upset with their parents for not having been more patient with them. They can learn strategies to parent better and manage stress. All of these options are reasonable You can be upset while building parenting skills and managing stress that comes with parenting. It's okay to feel upset, sad, or even angry about the past while you move forward with your life. Notice that I didn't say getting over the past. Instead, I emphasized moving forward. There may be moments when revisiting the past upsets you, but don't stay there. Remember that you live in the present moment and you can only revisit the past. You can't relive it, and you can't undo it. So spend most of your energy on making changes that will impact you in healthy ways today and in the future. Visit the past, but don't stay there. So we will stop at that point. All right. We've got a good 20, 25 minutes here to chop it up today two very important points reasons why we don't open up and talk and ways that people might push back against your boundaries if you would like to join me in conversation today just click on the camera with the plus sign and i will bring you on If you're listening to me by Google Play or Spotify, I want to thank you for your time and attention. I also want to thank you all for being a growing group of listeners. We are now up to 30 uh, regular listeners on the platform. So I want to thank you for your time and attention. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. Um, Thank you for using this as a time of growth and reflection. I hope that you have a wonderful day. And remember, light is the most daring opposition to darkness. So continue to go out and be light. Be well.